Hello, welcome to I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. My name is Chip Chantry. Hello, Ken. What's going on? I'm excited today. This is, we were just talking before the show. This is one of the few topics where I feel like you, me, and the guest are all huge fans. Like, I've discovered some great music through this podcast. You've gotten me more into bands that, oh, I didn't think I, I knew too much or didn't, you know, wasn't that into. And then I was like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm a big fan. This one, I think we're all coming on board. There's there's no doubt we all love this this band. So yes. I'm, I'm pretty excited. How about you, buddy? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm excited, too. I've been, uh, since we decided that uh, we're going to talk about the Beastie Boys, I've been listening to them for... Uh, like three straight days now and um it's it i'm pretty happy about it yeah it's you can't go you can't go wrong with the beastie boys like i just i I feel like they're one of those bands that i feel like i don't think i've ever really been like the beastie boys like nobody is ever like overrated not that great like i think it's just it's one of those things where it's like that collective thing that like it's like the beatles the Harlem Globetrotters, the Muppets, <laughs> and the Beastie Boys. Like, there's there's not too many on the list where anybody's like, nobody's ever going to be like, yeah, yeah, I, the the Globetrotters are overrated. It's like we all we all love the Globetrotters. We get it, you know. Like, they're it's it's just accepted that they're one of the greatest bands of all time. I feel like uh, anybody that's ever played for the Washington Generals might disagree. Yeah, they they <laughs> might have some they might have something to say about that. I'll, I'll be honest with you. About the Globetrotters, anyway. Why don't you, um, why don't you introduce today's guest? This is exciting. I, I'm very excited to have Anna Goldfarb here with us. Uh, she is a Kenneth. She's a friendship journalist. What does that mean? She writes. She's an expert on being a friend. Uh, she uh, she is uh, written in the New York Times, the Atlantic, the Washington Post, and and the list goes on and on. She's currently writing a book called Modern Friendship. And it's all about how to be a wonderful friend to others. She lives in the greatest city on earth, Philadelphia, three blocks from me. And I'm happy to say that I am a friend of hers. Uh, Anna Goldfarb, my friend, how are you? I'm doing swell. And we are friends in real life. Do you, do you know it, it, there is a little bit of pressure on this end? It's like playing tennis with, you know, Nadal or something like that. It's like being friends with a friendship expert. It's like... <laughs> I want to be on top of my game. You know, it's like, let's, let's bring it. I was going to say that it. was a hell of an introduction too. That, mm-hmm. was, that was pretty damn good. Chip is yeah. so much better at introing uh, the guests than I am. For yeah, sure. Ken, Ken will just be like, I'm like, hey, hey it's Anna, fucking G love is here. <laughs> yeah. Here's glove. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I didn't. I, I did fun. not know. I did not know that uh, a friendship journalist was. Uh, you're the first person I've ever heard of with that. Uh, yeah. With that job description. So how did it's you? Very you were, punk rock. You were obviously like you know a journalist first. You've been writing for years from mm-hmm. Schmidt your blog and uh, other books. How, how did that come up? Like how did that become your sort of expertise? Like what was what was that evolution? You know, I started as a music journalist um, in college. I loved writing about bands. I reviewed bands, went to shows. I wanted free CDs to sort of date myself. I was like, give me all the free CDs you have. I have a CD tower. Let me fill it up. Um, And then I started writing about dating. So I became a relationship blogger. Then I kind of went into food. I was a food writer. And now I've been focusing on friendships and I'm like, you know what? There's a music journalist, there's food journalists. Why aren't there friendship journalists? This is my beat. This is what I'm obsessed with and fuck it. I'm just going to embrace it. I am a, the first friendship journalist. I'm like, this is what I want to write about. Um, cause I mean, I'm just fascinated with friendship cause no one tells you anything. Everything's so mysterious and ambiguous nowadays of like where especially what's happening and you talk about like adults as like friends and we've talked about this before where it's like when we're in first grade in kindergarten like we learn how to be friends and like how to be nice to each other and how to introduce yourself and then it's like oh you go through little friendship problems you get a fight in fourth grade or somebody's not getting along and then you and then it's just like they just sort of release it to the wolves and then there's no there's nothing else there's nothing else out there like i personally don't i don't really care for 
can, but like I try to make it work because we have a working relationship and I, I try to keep it going, you know, but it's like, there's no real direction before you to how I can tolerate him on a, on a daily basis. Right. Yeah. Which, I thought, let me write a book about this. Yeah. Well, maybe you could do a chapter on us because I, I do have, I have a lot of gripes with uh chip as, yeah. ju- as a friend, just as a human, I think he stinks. <laughs> Um, yeah, we'll have a grape corner where people can write in with just grapes, a lot of grapes. Yeah. Uh, that should be the subtitle. Like we have grapes. What are we doing about it? Of course. Now real quick. Um, did you have a, like an area of music that you were focused on when you were doing your, is it like just all over the gamut or did you have a, a beat when you were, when you were writing music? No, that's a great question. I think, um, generally I'd say like, um, men playing guitars. Mm-hmm. Um, and like emo, I guess, get up kids. I liked record labels, like anything on Jade tree, anything on like, you know, that's been like labels kind of meant something a little bit. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I just want to cover every band on certain sort of indie labels, uh, epitaph. I remember I had, um, like I would just have my ins at the reps. Like they would just send me what all the new stuff was. I worked at a few record labels, um, as a publicist, I was actually the first ad salesman for Pitchfork oh, when wow. they were just a little baby site. Really? And I sold no ads. I had the job <laughs> for about three weeks and no one had heard of Pitchfork. And I was like, you should advertise. They're like, we're good. We're good. <laughs> and I was like, I can't do it. I can't sell ads on the most like amazing music website that has ever existed I was a uh, abject failure at selling ads. Um, well, at the well, same time, they did not have the. If you were a pitchfork ad salesman today, I'm sure you could, you could get a couple, a couple of companies <laughs> right, right. coming at you. I was like, "There's this site," and then we review things like really in depth. They're like, "We're good, we're good, no thanks." Yeah. Um. So I, I'm endlessly tickled that I couldn't sell ad space on one of the like premier music websites. Um. But yeah, I've always loved me. Like, what did I love? I loved punk rock. I was a punk rock kid from Chicago growing up. Um, hated indie rock. I thought that was, I was very into sellouts and like identifying sellouts and getting upset about sellouts. That was a hot, it was a really like hot moment for me of, I'm not listening to Jawbreaker, dear you. It's on a major label. No interest. Okay. Um, All right. So, so dumb. Underground. <laughs> yep. That's very punk rock. But do, do you do you look back now at some of them and be like, oh, those were great records. What was my problem? Yeah. It's sort of like with Dylan, how the people lost their minds when he went electric. Yeah. I was, I would probably be one of those people that lost their minds with Dylan going electric, even though it was clearly a more interesting direction. Yes. Dylan. Oh my God. So much more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually wrong about everything. I was wrong about the strokes. <laughs> I could have gone to see the strokes at Mercury Lounge and I was like, I'm good. I'm like they're not gonna go far. Like wrong. wrong yeah, this everything. is yeah, they're they're literally going nowhere. The sons of uh yeah, yeah fashion models like, and, nah, and everything. Yeah. I'm good. That was one of my favorite shows. Okay. Two thousand one, the TLA in Philadelphia. Uh the strokes and it was it was just as they were breaking so like it wasn't like i was yeah in on the ground floor but they were they started just to get big but yeah that was uh you you swung and missed anna but that's okay i know i saw the title mm. is this it and i was like is this it i said it yeah. wrong i said everything wrong everything Probably. wrong about music <laughs> uh but you were not wrong about the bc boys that's actually true that is the one thing I've been right about even in eighth grade. I was like, this band is special and I'm sort of proud of myself. I'm going to hang my hat on that one. Yeah. (laughs) When did you, did you dip in with, uh, with license to ill? Was that where you started or because I I was, I was a little bit late on the, on, on that boat. License to ill was over my head because I'm pretty sure I was seven or something. (laughs) Like I'm a young girl. Uh, no sleep till Brooklyn. Couldn't relate to that nope. very much. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I was in the same, I think we're about the same age and it's, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah I remember like fight for your right to party was, you know, that was the big, you know, the big thing, but it, like I was a child watching MTV thinking it's cool and that's what the older kids do. But so it, it came years later to me. Yeah. Like check your head was when I even miss Paul's boutique, like Paul's boutique. I was still a little too young for 
But I think everybody did. Hit Every, me. Everybody missed yeah, calls. Everyone everybody. did. I, at, at the beginning. <laughs> um, yeah. But Check Your Head connected with me on a very deep vibration level of there is something very interesting going on here. And I had a Check Your Head t-shirt. I um, listened to the, I guess the cassette nonstop and... I loved how dense it was. Like every line, there was something going on and something I'd never heard about. Or, And it made me want to dig deeper of like, well, what are these things? Um, and then I picked up Paul's Boutique and then I was like, oh, well, I'm a fan for life. But right. Check Your Head was, was the entry point for me. Uh, how about you, Ken? When did you, when was your... I was, uh, so even though I was a little kid at 10... Uh, the very first rap album I bought in my life was Licensed to Ill. And um, I loved that right away, even though I, w- even though I was a little kid. I think mm-hmm. I understood, at least because of the videos, like, oh, this is just all a goof. Yeah. Um, which I think a lot of people didn't. Uh, recognize at first like they didn't realize that this was a joke album mm-hmm. and these guys were playing characters that were nothing like what the, I think they eventually turned into those guys because of that sure. album but it was it was it was like an album designed to sort of make fun of like the party frat bros mm-hmm. um, but right. then but then they sort of ended up becoming that uh but right, that was is- that was my first. So I loved that. I missed Paul's Boutique entirely. Um, and then, uh, like you said, uh, check your head. That that hit me on. Uh, I think I was probably at the perfect age. I was probably like 16. And that just mm-hmm. hit me on a whole different level. I remember, you know, how you, you remember that moment, like the first time you see the video for smells like teen spirit the first time, whatever I was working at a a pharmacy. I was a stock boy at a pharmacy and I was about 14 and I was what we, so, so it was like this pharmacy, like, you know, like a CVS size pharmacy, mom and pop, but then you would walk down these like 15 stairs down this long stairway. And then it opens up into this gigantic warehouse and it was this huge stock room warehouse. It was like a giant garage. Cause they like, there was like six or seven in the chain. So it was like the, the big, it was like the the main center for all of them. And it was this huge room. And I remember just walking down to get some more boxes. And one of the other stock guys just got check your head and was just blasting. So what you want on the boom, on like the boom box. And it was just echoing in the warehouse. And like I just remember, like, I was not a like a, a hip hop kid at all. Like, I didn't know much about it. And just hearing that, I was like, this is something di-. like it, it It was one of those things where it almost scares you. You're like, what it, this new this is the most different thing I've ever heard. And like immediately mm-hmm. became like fell in love with the Beastie Boys. Like I knew of them a little bit, uh, as the, but I was I couldn't believe that it was them. I was like, wait, this is the same band as Fight for Your Right to Party and uh, just blown away. Yeah, I was looking one at thing. Oh, go ahead. Well, one thing also for me seeing the video of uh, So What You Want is I thought they were cute. You know, I did not. I was like, this. these are cute dudes. <laughs> what are they doing? Oh, and they're cute. And I like their style. I like the hat. I like the sneakers. And that 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 definitely uh, made me flip my shades. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all, th- they, all three of them seemed like three of the coolest dudes. Ever yeah. like I don't I don't even know that I yeah. ever was like oh that like oh Mike D's my favorite like I didn't have a favorite they just all seem so cool together. Yeah, I think it's something and that their really... friendship. Yes, see, yeah, they and were they have a genuine friendship. And 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 one of the things that I th- for they were able to establish themselves like pretty early on like I mean it was partway through their career but like by the nineties by check your head and and. uh ill communication like they i think they obviously evolved and we'll talk about their evolution a little bit but like they were almost like already like elder statesmen to a certain extent it's like we did all that fame stuff we did all like the big you know the first album and now we're just like doing a thing and there was nobody that was like that like to me in the 90s just being like a 90s kid it was like pearl jam to a certain extent but like whatever and then there was like 
them and REM. And it was like, you can't be as like a nerdy kid. You can't get cooler than either of those two bands at all. Yeah. Also the Beastie Boys had a legitimacy. Like they were really in the rap community and you could tell by who they brought into their circle that there was an authenticity about them um, for check your head. Like that was the first one where I was like, they are, they're in the community and they have respect and they have, it just seemed like different. It just seemed very different. It wasn't goofy. It wasn't like third base or like a lot of the other rap groups that were just kind of goofy. Beastie Boys just seemed very real. And it talk, I mean, it kind of dovetails with the sellout thing of like, these people seem real. Yeah. They Like what they're rapping about seems real. They genuinely seem interested and, you know, the frugal gourmet or whatever they're rapping about. It's like, yeah. <laughs> there's no artifice. It wasn't pretentious. It, this is life. And Check Your Heart was more of a New York album, wasn't it? Like, Jesse? Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, before, a little bit more it, New was York. it was recorded in L.A., but it, it felt like. It had that, uh, that feel. Yeah. It had and that underground. Before you go any further, and you are a guest on this podcast, and I want to say this as politely as possible, please don't ever disrespect the band Third Base in front of me ever again. <laughs> <laughs> they were innovators. What was their song? Was it Pop Goes the Weasel? Is that what they did? Yes. Pop Goes the Weasel. Yes. And MCA dissed them. He was dissing them like, uh, I was listening to the Beastie Boys. of like, called them whack. Did a little smack That's ridiculous. Talk. That is ridiculous. Well, you, yeah. you know, it's interesting. I, I, I haven't thought about third base in a decade. Probably. You're welcome. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I won't. I won't for another day. <laughs> won't for another decade. Yeah, that's the blip. This. And then it'll come back. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't third base. That's- yeah. Yeah. <sighs> they. I mean, what's interesting, though, is like, so they, I mean, they're kids when when they record they were literally like kids when they recorded license to ill they were punk kids that made hardcore punk music but then fell in love because they were all new york city kids they fell in love with rap and curtis blow and run dmc so they became Mm -hmm. obsessed with that and then um it's i i think rick rubin and russell simmons saw three white kids that they can get on MTV. And um, they made the kind of album that they thought would get them on MTV. And I think, I think the beastie boys thought that Rick Rubin and Russell Simmons were in on the joke. And then, um, you know, as you find out uh, after the first album came out, they, they, they fucked them out of royalties. They, um, they made it tough for the, all they wanted was license to ill part two. They didn't. And it, it, I think that had to have been a tough, uh, that had to have been a tough moment when they realized like, Oh, these guys that we thought were like our brothers in arms were actually just we, like, we were just cash cows to them. That that's gotta be. And, and I think that that sort of led to where, where they went. I mean, as far as being, entrepreneurs and, and leaders like they didn't follow a label like they I mean they, they obviously started Grand Royal and and they went their own way started self-producing after a while so it was like they they definitely took into their own hands because I don't think they wanted to get burned again it's also yeah. it's also crazy to think how much success they had so quickly yeah like they were they were none of them were even a legal drinking age and they were they were opening for madonna on her first world tour um they opened for run dmc on the raising hell tour which was like the biggest album on the planet that year yeah um they tell a funny story uh about adam yauk in that uh if if you have apple tv and you haven't seen the beastie boys story that's a good place to start it's great but they told a story about how um that Raising Hell album had Walked This Way, which was, I guess, up until that point, probably the biggest raps, you know, it was, it was the biggest rap song of all time. With And uh, everybody knew. I mean, it was all over MTV. It was like, you know, little, little seven-year-old white kids like me yes. knew about it and yeah. knew every word. Yeah. Oh, I saw that video and I ran out and, and bought that tape. Um, yeah. Uh, but they're opening they're opening for Run DMC in Miami and they're flying Aerosmith in to do the song. So they think it would be funny 
um, Run DMC thinks it would be funny to have Adam Yauch come out and play bass for for it, but yeah. they don't tell Aerosmith that okay. that this dude from the Beastie Boys is so when the when the when they start the song Adam runs out with his bass and he's chasing Joe Perry around the stage because he's trying to do that like like back to back like where he's playing the bass and Joe shredding yeah. the guitar but Joe Perry doesn't know who the hell he is and is like running away from him <laughs> and they said Adam Yauk was just chasing them around stage that's amazing. It's like I scared Aerosmith. Like, that's a pretty good. Yeah. And by the way, that that guitar bass, like leaning on each other thing is like so cliche of the 90s, 80s, 90s. Like, so I think you and I should do that, Ken. Like when, if, when we record in person together, we're like we should just do an entire hour where we're just leaned back to back, like just in the zone, you know, talking about hollow notes or whatever for an hour, just <laughs> back to back. I, th- I think it I think it would work. Um, we could try that. Yeah. And, and, you know, and go back to what Anna said too, about like how they got that huge, that huge fame and it wasn't really who they are. And then they had that. I was reading something like they were very convinced that Paul's boutique was going to be huge. Like this is going to be the next mm-hmm. Fleetwood Mac rumors. It's, and I mean, just to, I mean, go back on it. We can talk about it more, but like just all the samples and uh, first of all, how you couldn't do it today. Cause there's, hundreds of samples on it that you could never license but it, it was just so good and um, to a certain extent ahead of its time but it sort of flopped so it, it kind of just pulled the band-aid off and they were like it took them out of the spotlight a little bit and took you know it was like okay we got one of our, our sophomore slump we're almost okay now like let's go and just do whatever we want to a certain extent it kind of took them off of that that conveyor belt of, of like fame. And it was just like, okay, now we can sit back and do what we really want. And then just those, I mean, those next three albums, I mean, there's other things, but like check your head, ill communication. Hello, nasty. Hello, nasty are like Hello, three nasty. of my favorite albums of all time. And some of the greatest albums, you know, of the nineties and of all time. And, and just to see also like how then they got that. I mean, how vindicating that is like years later to get that vindication of Paul's boutique, like Rolling Stone named it, yeah. Uh, number 156 on the greatest 500 albums of all time was was Paul would see peak, yeah. an album that just got ignored and then just to get that vindication later is great yeah um well they they hired I thought this was funny they hired so after Def Jam they leave Def Jam over a royalties dispute so then like they had Rick Rubin managing them up until then. And he did, you know, I mean, maybe he fucked him out of royalties, but he did a real good job getting them, you know, where they wanted to be. So right. then after him, then they go out and they hired the same dude who managed uh, Lionel Richie and Kenny Rogers. Just really? Because they thought it was funny. they said they thought that was hilarious that this guy would have to tell people that he also managed the beastie boys beastie boys and um they even say in in the in the documentary uh i think it was mike diamond was like yeah turns out uh because you think a dumb joke is funny is not the best it's not the best formula for guiding your financial future no that's that's hilarious. So so they they got rid of that manager after Paul's boutique and then whoever they brought. I don't remember who they mm-hmm. brought. Whoever came in for check your head was like, listen, you guys, I don't know how to tell you this, but you you essentially just got to start at the bottom. You, you know, I, I, I can book you in clubs across the country, but then you're going to you're going to have to work your way back up. You guys are not the stars that you think you are. And um, I guess I guess they said that was what they needed because that was you know that was the last manager they ever they ever had. That's the dude that's still with them. Yeah. And but, and I, but I think there was a, a starting at the bottom kind of gave them that freedom and that you know yes that's yeah yeah you check your head they 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 started playing their own instruments again. They obviously had hip hop, but then it was like you know 
hard rock and punk and jazz in there that they were that they were experimenting with that just totally became this new and i think it also helped that like the times changed too where it wasn't mainstream that was cool anymore by 1992 it was all about alternative stuff and people wanted something different and they came about that and sort of came of age at that perfect time you know i used to record on vhs any BC Boys appearances on MTV. Like I would just record it and rewatch it and rewatch it. And I think they were on. Did they do all the Palooza? There was like some sort yeah, of they segment did, yeah, where they were. Um, yeah, like they had like did something with MTV and they had these uh, like inter interspersed. I recorded all of it. I was dove head first into their world of like I want to know what they're wearing, what they're talking about, what they're joking about. And I just was enchanted with them. I was like, this is something very new and very different. It felt so different. Yeah. Did, and you had mentioned, you. we talked about this earlier, you had gotten their their magazine, right? Or was the magazine or the catalog? The, yeah. it was well, um, Grand Royal, Mike Royal? D started his own clothing label, X Large, and a little gorilla on it. And I wrote in for the first catalog, which was a Xerox double-sided catalog and like black and white kids listen in to I, this listen to what we had to do <laughs> in the 90s we had to write a letter i had to write a letter like, like dear, dear beastie boys X large yes <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i'm a five foot eleven ninth grader and i'm interested in what you're selling um and i think i bought i, I think it was the pumas from them i, I bought the pumas i wore them the first day of school in ninth grade they were not very comfortable not a lot of cushioning but they looked great. Um, and I just wanted to be a part of it. I, I know that they had an offshoot of that with X-Girl, which was Kim Gordon from Sonic Youth. And I went to their boutique in, uh, I think it was in Soho. Everything was way too small. I mean, it's not going to fit me. But I definitely touched a, an A-line skirt and a tiny T-shirt in the, in the boutique. <laughs> and... They just and then they started their own magazine, Grand Royal, and I subscribed to that too. I'd every issue. Sometimes they'd have um, like little records in it, like little vinyl records that you would oh, tear yeah. out. Um, yeah. They and they were just pushing limits. Like, where can we take this? What can we do? What are we interested in? Um, one thing we didn't talk about was Adam Horowitz did some acting um, around after Paul's Boutique when they were yeah. sort of like figuring out yeah. what they were going to do and. I bought that movie, Lost Angels, on DV, um, VHS. I watched it a shit ton of times. It did I not was look like, like it could not have been a good movie. It did not look good. It it was about like these uh, kids in California that got sent to rehab, and I was just transfixed with Adam Horror. I thought I was going to meet him. I was like positive. I was like, it's just a matter of time until I meet this person. How am I not going to meet him? Um, I actually went to college in New York City thinking I was going to meet the Beastie Boys. I'm like, I will meet them. It's just a matter of time. I think that and, would be an amazing, uh, like, essay that you would have to write to get into school. It's like, uh, the only reason I'm coming <laughs> to your institution is to meet the Beastie Boys. And, like, I would let yeah, you Yeah, I really thought it. I was so delusional. I'm like, I'm going to meet the Beastie Boys. We're going to party. Um, just tell me where to be, everyone. <laughs> They're going to tell you what an, you want. It's going to be great. <laughs> even yeah, as like, like an I'm adult ready. man, I, you know, and obviously like being, you know, Anna, you're a writer. You, you know, a lot of people, Ken and I are doing, doing standup. It's like, I have these fantasies of like, who's going to be backstage sometime at a cool show that I get to meet. That's it's like going back to my nineties days. It's like Michael Stipe and the beastie boys. I think like those would be the only ones that I'd be like, I don't over. know what I'd be able to do with myself. Who, who would you, who who would be on that list for you, Ken? Ooh. If I, like like somebody where I would like just legitimately not know how to like form right. words, handle or you myself. Like, yeah, or like you got that picture with them and you posted it online and just like I am now the coolest person of anybody that I went to school with. Uh, for me, I right now I would say either uh, Iggy Pop or Keith Richards. Okay. <laughs> Kahuna. Kah I, Kahuna, what, the, what do you think? Just the idea of of you 
meeting these guys backstage, just not being able to form words is the funniest thing in the world to me. Yeah. Well, the idea just of like Keith at, the, Richards. at the stress factory, <laughs> at the stress say. factory in the green room, looking over the Miss Pac-Man machine at Iggy Pop in like a closet. Oh, man. Uh, Kahuna, how about you? And then I'm going to ask Anna the same question. Snoop Dogg is one of those people for me, honestly. And mm. we and we've had family communicate with him before, but like for whatever reason, I just think Snoop Dogg is just the coolest motherfucker on the planet. Yeah. And if I was in his presence, I'd probably just have a trouble forming words. And well, uh, me and Snoop Dogg play thing. racquetball every Thursday, so I will tell him you God said damn. hi. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'll let him know, and maybe you know, send an album or something like that. That would be what's up. Yeah. Uh, Anna, how about you? Col- coolest Mount Rushmore, somebody you walk into that you have to meet, besides the Beastie Boys. And we're, we're including them in the list. You know, this I didn't think of uh, this. Is, this might be a curveball, but I'm going to go with Taylor Swift mm-hmm. because I think she's doing the most interesting, th- doing the most interesting stuff. Like she's directing her own videos. She's songwriting. I mean, she's just doing so much. And I would love to just get to know her and, you know, she's like the Beastie Boys. She has excelled far beyond what, yeah. you know, her original debut was like, I, I, I think that, I mean, she's kind of almost a Bob Dylan to me. Um, I can't remember saying this out loud, but I'm just so impressed with how far she has taken her brand and how she's matured as an artist. I think she's amazing. Just amazing. I think and she, she doesn't quit. Yeah, she gets a lot of I mean, I'm not I'm, I I don't know her music super well, but I, I like how do you not respect somebody that writes all their own songs and has that much of a hand in their artistic uh, direction? Um, so uh, I, mean, maybe, I never understood I, all the hate for her. May, and, and again, I know I know that that Shake It Off song. That's pretty much all I know about about her but again it's like i can't disrespect her because it's and just so many people you hear of like guys my age and be like oh no taylor swift's great and it's just i just haven't given it that chance yet but it's like i'm sure i'm gonna enjoy it once i dive in maybe we can have anna back sometime and like do i would do a taylor swift episode like learn about her listen back hit those songs just to just to get in that world because i feel like i'm living in the 20th century and i need to i need to become a swift head you know, I resisted it for a long time, but she's truly like, I think she is just really pushing, pushing the envelope in, a, in all, all these ways as a modern artist, as someone who contends with streaming, contends with all the limitations. Um, and she's just doing her own thing. I really love her. My other idea was Beck. I think Beck is really interesting. I think Beck is. Beck would be very cool. I mean, Beck would be so cool. I was just, what, what is his deal? Yeah. <laughs> he's put out like such interesting things too, but he's more of like a background kind of hum. I feel like I wouldn't be too intimidated with Beck. I think I could form a sentence. Uh, I feel like, like he'd be intimidated. He's like yeah, he'd be 4'11". Intimidated. Yeah. He, you know, like it's tough. Yeah. To, it, it's tough to get intimidated by uh, like a Someone super tiny <laughs> fella. Yeah. An elf. Yeah. yeah. A Plus, elf. And I, I, I don't mean this disrespectfully. I promise you, I would not be able to pick Beck out of a crowd. Like yeah. I, like I, yeah. I love his music, but like, if there were like twenty people in a room here right now where we're recording, I could probably not pick out Beck. Right. I don't think I could. No yeah, offense to the dude. Yeah. Because, and I think that's part of his thing. Because he, he's like sort of changed his look over the times, and he's just. But he's also somebody who, like, just picture. Uh, if just picture a slightly older Michael Sarah, if you, if you, if you ever, yeah, Kahuna, if you ever like in a restaurant, like in New York or something like that, and you're like, that looks like Michael Sarah, but a little bit older, you're looking at Beck. That, that's, that's what you're dealing <laughs> with. <laughs> but I, I feel like he was another one too that like really kind of got me into hip hop a little bit. Not that he's real hip hop, but you know, like with he Loser had, and just, yeah, he had some, uh, he, he had, had some hip hop song. Yeah. You could definitely. Oh, 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 Delay is one of my favorite albums of all time. I mean, it's just it's just a great album, and it it's also it was also that '90s alternative thing where it wasn't this like bombastic like look how great I am. And I feel like the Beastie Boys, as cool as they were, always had that sort of underdog thing of like kind of nerdy guys that were just doing this thing and they were like kind of scruffy. And it's like oh, okay, this is I can latch onto this because this is I this is 
I'm not going to be super cool, but I can try to emulate them. I I think so. I'm. We've talked about this before. I'm I'm probably if you were to ask my mom, top five worst Jews of all time. Sure. But the the Beastie Boys were always like my one Jewish point of pride, where yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, we got the fucking Beastie Boys. Yeah. I mean, Adam and they, Sandler. They, they Adam are Sandler. Nailed that down in the Hanukkah song, you know. Yeah. The Beastie Boys were legitimately as cool as any rap act that's ever that's ever lived. They were and they yeah. were as cool as any punk band of, of yeah. all time. Yeah. Uh, I would go back. Anna was talking about uh, the the magazine and the that is you know the yeah. the the label and the and the, the style. Oh, by the way, I should say. Uh, she mentioned that uh, Pumas aren't that comfortable and like didn't have that much. And I know they have like different styles now and like running shoes and stuff like that. They're not the most comfortable shoes, but literally I just bought a new pair of Pumas because it's like I have to have them like ever since the BC boys. For, are you there? It is. See, <laughs> this is amazing. I actually think they're I wear the I. I started wearing Pumas because of the Beastie Boys, but I actually, so did I. So did I. I actually do find them comfortable. Some you, of have them, depend, break, you have to break. You have to break them pen. in. Yeah, you have to figure them out. You have to break them in. But like I've, I've had different uh, brands. But like I guess these are just like the baskets, like the suede's. You know, like the the traditional. And I I don't love before I break them in. I don't like. But like I have to always have a pair of Pumas in rotation, like just in case. Like it's it's just something I, I need to have. But that first issue, the first edition of Grand Royal Magazine came out in '93. Uh, just how cool is this? Their cover story was about Bruce Lee, which is just amazing. Yeah. In 1993, the cover story was about Bruce Lee. They had artwork by George Clinton, and they had interviews with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Q-Tip, which I thought was great. Yeah. And I never knew this until today. Do you guys know what word in our English lexicon? Was it, it the Oxford English Dictionary credits the Beastie Boys with creating? I know what you, it is. Go ahead. Mullet. Yeah, I mullet. didn't know that. The I mullet, didn't... which was popular in the eighties, didn't get named that until the nineties, and it was. I remember. I read the article. By the Beastie like, Boys. Here is a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm learning so much. I love this magazine. There, they there, teach us a lot. There was a point where, like, if if they anointed something as cool, you just accept it. Like, I bought a fucking Sean Lennon album because it was on <laughs> Grand Royal. Yeah. Sean Lennon, Ben Lee, Luscious Jackson. Yes. Well, yeah. I, I love the Luscious Jackson story because they had, they were originally a four piece with a female drummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think her Kate name Challenbach. is... Yes, Kate Challenbach. Yes, Kate Challenbach. And um, as Rick Rubin and Russell Simmons started sort of molding their new, like, frat boy persona, there wasn't really room for a girl in the band. And they pushed her out pretty unceremoniously. And they were, like, really good friends growing up. Like, they, they said, like, all three of them... All, most of their friends were girls who were much cooler than they were. And um, they pushed Kate out of the band. But then 10 years later, Luscious Jackson is the first band that they signed to their new label. And she's she's the drummer for that band. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. So like they, never... they sort of recognized that they acted like assholes and, and did – Seems like they spent the rest of their career trying to try to make up for it. Yeah. Course correct. Yeah, course yeah. correct. I never made this themselves. And I, I could be wrong about this. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I never made connected these dots. But at one point, was it Adam Horowitz that was dating or married to Ioni Sky, the actress? Yeah. Mm-hmm. OK. And so they were married or or together. I, I forget. And then they had Ben Lee on their label, and now I think she's married to Ben Lee. I think. Am I am I correct about that? Oh, I don't know. Just a little. Uh, That's yeah, a deep maybe, cut. I don't know if there was some. That's a deep cut. Some, uh, yeah, if they were just all friends, that. kind of like a a, a, a uh, you know George Harrison, Patty, uh, <laughs> you know Clapton kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. They also were the first. They were the first hip hop act I ever heard that came out were like hey uh we should respect women 
Yeah. Yeah. Which, which, you know, at, at the, at the time I remember reading a review, it's, they, uh, Adam Yauch does that verse on, um, I think root down about uh sure shot sure shot that's what yeah. it was yeah and it, 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 to, to all the mothers and the sisters the wives and friends all the disrespected women uh yeah yeah I yeah i want to offer my love and respect to the end to the yes. end there yeah. it is thank you anna thank you but i remember that being like the very first time i ever heard uh like something positive <laughs> about women in a hip-hop song and i remember reading a review that was like calling them hypocrites because they were like oh just a few years ago you were you you had you had you were touring with girls in cages and giant inflatable penises and you know you had that song girls about uh you know making them sandwiches yeah. and cleaning your bedroom and it's like all right so what, what now we're gonna fucking knock these guys for evolving <laughs> like, it wouldn't it be weird if they acted the same way they did when they were 17 right and and I think that's this thing with like, uh, you know, say what you will about like, there, there's great things about, you know, call it cancel culture if you want to or whatever. But it's like, it's like, yeah, people can evolve and get better. And it's like they kind of, again, it's that atonement, like going back to the specific thing about Kate Schellenbach, but also like, hey, we did dumb shit. We're making up for it. And then really went the other direction. And we're, you know, they got political. Like he, you know, they used when they won like their MTV, you know, the, the, music video awards they made political speeches about like you know about you know about hate against muslims and mm -hmm. um uh oh I, I, it was also about i think it was like woodstock was it, or Lollapalooza? i guess it was mm -hmm. there were like there was a lot of like sexual assaults and things like yes. that and like he brought that yeah. to light was woodstock like look that happened when we were performing at Lollapalooza. like that has to stop you know organizers have to be more aware of this mm -hmm. and like they used that and then of course to go into you know the free tibet movement and that concert that you know you kind of shed light on those political issues as well. i saw that i was at the tibetan freedom festival i think they did it on randall's island and that was um i remember the beasties obviously headlined and there was rumors going around the crowd that the dust brothers were there and they were gonna do paul's boutique in its entirety yeah and every and that for sure didn't happen yeah <laughs> but, i think that would literally be impossible too <laughs> like there's no way that that can happen looking back you're like how could they have pulled it off i guess they just would have yeah. had to have had a dj and not been because that album was comprised almost entirely of samples the, samples yeah. yeah um just just to get those records in like how many you know that would just it's it's way too much of a, a lift literal wow did did you guys ever see them? I don't remember. I saw. I know I saw Luscious Jackson at Lollapalooza. I don't think I've seen Beastie Boys. I don't. Think, I, I think they were so big that I'm like, I'm not going to go to a stadium show because I was punk rock and like chitty. I didn't yeah. go. Like I just was like, eh. I was I kind of the same way. The I was kind of the same way, Anna. And like, yeah, I'll go to some like big events, but I did see, the, I, I remember being, I was in college and I had the opportunity to go see, and it was, I think it was down to Philly, just like at the truck or something. Like it was a small venue and it was Beastie Boys and Tribe. Oh, and wow. I passed wow. up a ticket. And it's like one of those, it's like, there's very few things. Like, it's like, I passed up that. And I passed up seeing Willie Nelson at the Hollywood Bowl like three years ago, three, four years ago. And I'm just like the two of those shows, like biggest regrets. And uh, but then I did see them in like I think it was like was it the, to the five boroughs or. I forget which which tour, but it was like 2009. I saw them at in Philly at the arena and it was, you know, the Wachovia, Wells Fargo, whatever it was. And it was am amazing, like one of the best shows I've ever seen. It was It was incredible. Yeah. How many times? Did, did you see him a bunch of times, Ken? I saw him a bunch of times. I, I saw them. Um, I saw them at the Garden when Bismarck Key came out and oh, did God. Benny and the Jets. Yeah. There's a recording of that. It's on. It's so good. It's on, it's on the, the, I think, on Sound of Science. Yeah, Silence. it's on there. Sound of Science, I think. I was, I yeah. was there. I was there for that. And the place went uh, bonkers for it. Um, but uh, they were always, especially, you know, like once they started playing their own instruments, um, 
they they were so they were so great they were so great live yeah those that i thought um mm. check your head into ill communication was they were just two of the most experimental far out albums i ever heard I, I they they would they would record themselves playing music and then sample that themselves yeah so they were like making their own original music and then turning it into samples and that's um, brilliant yeah and it was it was just everything I remember the day I bought it's kind of like put it's kind of like putting your crowd work on Instagram <laughs> right exactly yeah I remember buying uh my grandpa took me to a record store and told me I could buy two albums and I bought check your head on CD and I bought like a Miles Davis album like kind of blue I didn't, I just like the cover I didn't even know anything about it mm-hmm. but I remember like after I played check your head out like you know a thousand times in a row and was like let me try something else and I put that Miles Davis album on and I realized I was like holy shit the beasties are doing jazz on this album like I didn't even yeah. know that it was jazz until I listened to jazz and was like, oh, yeah. I, I, the, the Beastie Boys are doing this. Yeah. Which is wild from the No Sleep Till Brooklyn guys. Yeah. And it was only and- like five years later or something. Like it was it was a big evolution, you know, and, and not a lot of time. And I think that's part of it, too, of like going like being so cool. Like Anna was like, you know, they're, they're so they 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 weren't following trends. They were like we're going to do our own thing. And it's like, yeah, we're going to do some jazz. Now we're going to do some, you know, punk or whatever. And then that became cool. And they sort of led the way into some, you know, doing their own thing and people, people followed them. It wasn't like they were following, following a trend. Anna, do you have a, do you have a favorite album? If you had to pick one. Paul's boutique, hands down, hands down. Yeah. Unparalleled, unparalleled. It's funny when I was uh, when I was in my teens and 20s, I would have told you Paul's Boutique, hands down. Mm -hmm. And that was the one like I sort of skipped it. I worked. I did the same thing. It was like, check your head. I was like, oh, I better go back and listen. Go back. Yeah. Um, But as I've gotten older, it's for me, it's a coin toss between check your head and uh, ill communication. Because it, yeah. it, it, it almost ill communication just almost seemed like a continuation. Oh, sure. Like yeah. that. They could have released that as a double album, you know, and, you know, like Guns N' Roses or uh, Bruce did. Um, yeah. So to, to me, it's it's a coin toss to me. Like, I, yeah. I, I think I told you last night I, I was listening to ill communication last night and I don't care how many hundreds of thousands of times I've heard it. Like sabotage still gets me so fucking hyped up. And it, it might be one of the best rock songs ever written and performed by anybody. And the fact that it's like a, like a rap act (laughs) that made one of the maybe best rock songs to ever exist, uh, blows my mind. Uh, Me and my buddy Ruben, who's an actor now, we, uh, for Chris, for, Halloween one year at a fraternity house, we dressed as two of the guys from two of the BC boys from the sabotage video. And like, we just walked around like we were completely badass the whole night. And it was maybe my favorite Halloween costume ever. There, I have to go with, um, I, I, I love Paul's boutique so much. And so I, I'd go with that. I do have such a soft spot. Cause I think it's like, cause I, again, I think I entered the same kind of time where I, you know, like really got to check your head and ill communication, which I just, I just love but they were they were sort of already out. So I was like listening to them and they were always in the zeitgeist and like just constant. And then I was like the first or second person in line at the King of Prussia Tower Records at midnight for Hello Nasty when it came out. And that album to me is like, I, I think it's just because like the time and the place. And I just digested it immediately and just like love everything like that always has a song. There's a there's a song. And again, just to what they did, there's a song on Ken. I sent it to you Yeah, towards the end of hello nasty called i don't know that's yalk doing it and it's just a acoustic song with him with a woman singing lightly in the background you would never know it's a bc boy song and it's one of my favorite songs mm. of all time yeah yeah wow. it was um they did this also made me go back like by the time to the five burrows came out i was sort of on to 
different, you know, like a different musical path. And is, is that kind of your thing too, Anna? I think you kind of mentioned that. Is that right too? Like, yeah, my, kind of my interest, my interest, uh, whittled down, although make some noise is a banger and yes. the video is hilarious. The video is so yeah. funny. So I'm like, all right, they still got the it. I do like make, make some noise yeah. a lot. I, I kind of do this. I think we all kind of like, I think a lot of people did. It's like 21st century kind of moved on to other stuff, but like would always come back to it and listen to it. I think I own all the albums as well. But what were you saying, Ken? I'm sorry. So I, I, so I was like, let me go back and listen to some of these albums. I never gave a fair shake. So I've been listening to the five boroughs all morning and it's fucking great. I was like, what was yeah. my problem? Yeah. <laughs> why, I know, why, why did I, I think I, I didn't need an album like this in my life? There was one of the coolest things and somebody just posted it on I think like Facebook the other day uh, I'm pulling it up now. There's a video. The beastie boys were on. They did uh, ch check it out on Letterman when yeah, that came out, I guess in 04, right? They, they did a live feed where they like came up and rapped live as they were coming up through the subway stairs yes, onto yes. the sidewalk. I know. And this. so there was just a, it there was, was just Letterman. a camera going backwards and they were following, like literally trying not to like trip over like the cords and stuff like that. And they wrapped from the subway down like two or three blocks, I think made a turn and then came into the Letterman studio and finished the song live. And it's, and it's amazing. It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I saw a really funny video of theirs today for a song that I've never even heard um, called Triple Trouble. I don't I couldn't okay. even I couldn't even tell you what album it's from. Yeah. But the video is hilarious. So you see the Beastie Boys getting out of a limo and they're going into some award show. And then there's uh, there's a woman there. You're like interviewing them like, oh, and she's talking about what. um like what icons of fashion they are. And they're all dressed like ridiculously, you know, like yeah. one of them's got a wig. It's just white dreadlocks and uh, they look ridiculous. But she says, she's like, listen, it's been six years since your last album. Uh, where have you been? And it, and it looks like a real award show. So I'm thinking that like, well, I'll, I'll get to it in a minute. I'm thinking that it was real. Um She's like, where have you been? And, and uh, I think it was like MCA. He's like, oh, not a lot of people know this, but uh, Sasquatch kidnapped us. And we were and Sasquatch had us in his cave for the last six years. And that guy's such a jerk. But like we were able to escape, you know, and then she like laughs and then they walk into the award show. And then the video switches to you see Sasquatch in his cave watching this on the news. Yeah. And he's all pissed. And then he does one of the funniest things I've ever seen. He like goes to his computer and starts banging away. He's on MapQuest and he types <laughs> in as the starting direction Sasquatch. And then for like the the like what's your destination? He just types in Beastie Boys. <laughs> and then you see it's like they're 5000 miles away and he starts running and then catches up with them at the award show or they're they're filming a video and he he sees them filming the video knocks them all over their head drags them back to his cave and he makes them do exercises and shit to like work out so like he's getting them in shape for uh, whatever and uh, but then at the very end of the video they go back to the award show and you see Kanye West walking in yeah. and and that same female reporter puts the mic in Kanye's face and she's like, Kanye, what do you, what do you think about the beastie boys getting kidnapped by Sasquatch for the last six years? <laughs> and I I'm telling you, I think this was real. Like I, I think it was a real award show cause Kanye looks so confused and yeah. uh, he just goes, he just says like, Oh, that's wild. I didn't even know the beastie boys were Sasquatches. And then he walked and then he walked away like you can tell he just had no idea what the fuck was going on. And then right. and then the reporter, you saw her like crack a smile like we just got gold. So I, I think they almost ambushed. I think they almost ambushed Kanye for their own video. But it's it's there. I mean, they've all their videos were always so funny. 
And I just, I was just the, the Spike Jones her. ones. They yeah. were all so funny, and and then um, some of them were directed by uh, Nathaniel Hornblower. Yeah, which was that was just MCA, right? MCA in later Hosen and a beard. And do you guys remember when he came on? I think it was the '94 MTV MTV video awards. awards. Yeah, when. Uh, Again, REM, uh, REM's director won for Everybody Hurts, and they were about to, and he just runs on stage dressed as Nathaniel Hornblower. And again, does the Kanye, uh, I'll I'll let you finish thing, but like as a joke, and like people didn't know who it was, and they're like, he was just like so sad. And then he claimed, and then he claimed that he came up with the idea for Star Wars, and they they dragged him on stage. Yeah, he's like, he's like, don't touch me. I'm from Switzerland. Uh, well, I guess I guess we should we should start to wrap this up um, in 2020 spin magazine named the Beast Boys the 12th most influential artist of the last 35 years, which I think is obviously mm-hmm. well deserved. Um, they were also so I saw a couple interesting stats. Um, I I believe they are still currently the best selling rap band, like rap group of all time. OK, that makes sense. And then like the Jew, I'm like, oh, not yeah, not, not to take anything away from Anna's favorite band, third base. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. the I love that the best selling rap band of all time is three Jews. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then for uh, Hello Nasty, they became the only band ever. They won a Grammy. They won a Grammy for one of uh like best hip-hop song like best rap song or some best rap performance for intergalactic best rap performance for intergalactic Mm -hmm. and then the album won best alternative album yeah so they're like the only group that's ever won uh rap and a rock grammy on the same on the same album yeah yeah that's pretty amazing so all right well chip anna i think Uh I think we did it. Hopefully we've done the Beastie Boys justice. Any other uh, any other good like memories or anything you got at Beastie Boy, Beastie Boy love? Um, Just that their attitude, their openness, their ability to find delight in the most mundane things. Just uh, I, I that's what I connect with of just their three friends trying to crack each other up and that's it. And their focus is on their relationship on their in their songs. It's like we get to listen, we get to participate as listeners, but really the focus is the friendship between them and them just trying to make each other laugh. And it's infectious, it's positive. And that's I think that's one of the reasons they've endured. And they're so well loved. I mean, people just love them. Yeah. Um and I, I just am so grateful that I grew up in a time where I got to really dive in deep because you know they're just the best and they inspire me to this day yeah right about friendship (laughs) exactly exactly uh by the way i am uh i I should say i'm i'm wearing my uh, beastie boys concert shirt that i got in oh nine oh my god i used to have i don't know what happened to it but i used to have the same shirt the same shirt yeah the green oh you fucking probably stole it i probably stole it from you (laughs) yeah because i'm not a good friend ken (laughs) um (laughs) Anna, where can people find you they, if they want to read? They want to oh, read yeah. your. Um, you can find me on annagoldfarb.com and I'm on, I'm at Anna, A N N A, Goldfarb on Instagram and Twitter. Um, friendships rule. I'm obsessed with friendships and come along and I'll teach you all about how to have fantastic ones. That's great. Thank you so much for joining thanks for us. Having, yeah. Anna, thanks for Anna, having me. Thank you for being a great guest and being a great friend. And you've made some new friends today because you're a pro. I know. Uh, <laughs> so thank you. But uh, we should, what was the one that we, oh, I th- I think later this year we should do a Taylor Swift episode. I want to learn well, about I'm Taylor game. Swift. Yeah, yeah, I would do that. Yeah. Done. Uh, Deal. Let's do it. Uh, Kenneth, where can the good people find you? Uh, Ken Krantz comic. Um, and then, uh, if you're in, if you're in Florida, I will be at the, um, oh God, I wish I knew my own shit. 
Um, I'll be Mar-a-Lago. at the, uh, <laughs> I'll be at Mar-a-Lago, uh, planting documents. Um, I will be at uh, the Meisner Art Cultural Center in uh, Boca Raton on uh, Saturday, February fourth. But I I might okay. have that date completely wrong. Saturday, February fourth, with the great Bonnie McFarlane. Oh, that's great. That's great. What about you, Chip? Uh, and uh, I'll be at the Punchline of Philly on January 26th through the 28th and at Helium with Todd Glass on February 23rd through the 26th. So check me out. And just at Chip Chantry on all the socials at Chip Chantry. That's it. Kahuna, where can the good people find you? Uh, you can check uh, check me out on Twitter, Arcade Player one and then my YouTube channel, Arcade Productions. Uh, got a couple of things uh, in the works that I'm really excited to be sharing soon. One of which is a horror film that I not only wrote, but I scored. So that'll be out nice. in the next month or two. So, yeah, it's going to be a good nice. Day. All right. I'm excited. All right. That's great. Uh, Anna Goldfarb, thanks again. And um, everybody go listen to the BC Boys today. Yes. We'll see you next week.